Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Girl Next Door. I think we're up to 237. Guys, I've just got so many things that I want to talk about and so little time. I want to talk about how Elton John's coming off of Twitter. Uh, I want to talk about the digital ID stuff that's coming in. Like Georgia went to go and do a police check she had to do for a field placement last night. And lo and behold, she couldn't go any further without supposedly setting up this digital ID. So many things to talk about, but guys... We are drawing to the end of the year, but like I said, I'm just going to have to save some of these topics for next year because we're already sorted for the rest of this year. I will be pausing only on the parenthood episodes, so I'm really sorry, all the mums, dads, and the non-mums and dads, by the way, that listen to Fridays. I will be pausing on Fridays just so I can have a little bit of a break, but Wednesdays, we are going to be going strong. We will not miss a beat. There will be a fresh episode uploaded every week for you guys. Also, Thank you so much to the beautiful people that have just written more uh, written reviews in Apple. Um, like I said, I really appreciate when you guys give five-star ratings in Spotify, also in Apple and written reviews. It really helps just to, um, you know, to get to spread the word and, and get it out there so that other people can find us here on the Girl Next Door community. All right, but today, topic of today, a little bit different, something a little bit, bit of a different turn today. I wanted to talk about how we can thrive when the world over when the world overwhelms us now this one has come about because last week i did a parenting episode on raising a sensitive child but i've actually wanted for a while to address this same topic here um, with us adults. And I did talk a little bit about um, about that, about being a sensitive adult or a sensitive parent. Um, I've only just discovered in the past few years this whole, uh, well, what I'm going to talk to you about today. There's something in particular I want to talk about, which I've just discovered that has literally been quite revolutionary for me, right? And that is this whole idea of being a HSP, a highly sensitive person. Now, you guys know that I don't, I'm not really into labels, but I really want to talk about this today um, because I think it really does affect a lot of us. So even though I've kind of called this title Thriving When the World Overwhelms You, I do want to specifically hone into those of us with highly sensitive personalities, but um, but I still feel like this episode will help all of us, even if you're someone that doesn't have a particularly sensitive personality. I still think that today's well, uh, world, we are uh, there's an overabundance. We are saturated with with stimuli and information coming in. Left, right, and center. We've got busy lifestyles. Um, mental health issues are through the roof more than ever, and so I still think that a lot of this will be applicable to all of us. Now, I was very vulnerable in my parenthood episode last week, guys. If you don't normally listen, it's one that you might really kind of benefit from because I do talk a bit about 
um, how relevant this is to me because I am a very sensitive person. Like uh, you asked Cameron, he would you know, often go, oh my gosh, you're so not just sensitive, but super sensitive or oversensitive. And I've always known that um, about myself. So my mum used to always tell me that. She'd always say, oh, you're really sensitive. And yeah, Cameron, like I said, would often say it. And I thought maybe I was just oversensitive because of my upbringing. If you've been listening to me long enough, you know that my parents divorced when I was young. My mum got remarried, then she got divorced again. And it was a pretty full-on time in my life from my childhood through to my teenage years. Um, But one day, and I can't remember how, but I was doing some sort of Google search and I found this thing called... HSP or highly sensitive person. And I started reading it, right? And guys, we're about to do a quiz, okay? We are going to do a quiz so that you can ascertain where you fit on this scale. But when I looked at the signs of what makes a HSP, I was literally stunned because I ticked the box for almost every single one of them. Now, like I said before, I'm not a fan of labels and diagnoses, which I think are just in way too much of an abundance these days, especially as a teacher where I have more than half of my class that would be diagnosed with some sort of label. But HSP, it's not a diagnosis. Okay. It's not a label. It's just simply a type of personality and it makes up about 15 to 20% of people. So while that's a minority, it's still a significant amount. So for me, it explains some really strange things like why I can smell rain before it comes. Can anyone else smell rain? People think I'm weird when I go, oh, I can smell it's about to rain. Or why I was disturbed for literally days after watching the Shawshank Redemption or why I can still remember crying my eyes out as a child watching this Hollywood movie where a dog was killed by this guy that was like slamming it into a tree. And it explains why I find airports one of the saddest places on earth and why the change that my parents' divorce brought was beyond unsettling for me. just explains so much. There are uh, stars and celebrities that we know that also identify with this personality, Nicole Kidman, Alanis Morissette, uh, who is a singer, Kanye West, all identify as HSPs. So creatives and musicians alike have appreciated the discovery of of this um, because often it's the creative and the musicians and the artists that are, are among the most highly sensitive. So Morissette said that when she read a book about it for the first time, she couldn't stop weeping. It was self-recognition after recognition. And although I didn't weep when I read all this, I certainly, I remember sending it to Cameron and he's like, I'm reading you right now. Like this is reading your mail. So we're going to cover five things today about the HSP. Firstly, we'll talk about like who discovered it. Um, and, and, you know, like, how did that come to be? Secondly, signs that indicate you could be a HSP. We're going to take a quick quiz. Number three, what does it mean to be a HSP personality? Um, number four, how can we navigate the world that's really not built to cater for highly sensitive people? And number five, how the heck do you cope with being a leader? let alone guys, a pastor with a highly sensitive personality. So let's go because we're already seven minutes in. Number one, who discovered this? 
Well, it was a psychologist known Elaine Aron, A-R-O-N. And I want to say it wasn't that long ago, maybe the 90s. Don't quote me on exactly when, but it's not like this is super, super old discovery. But she first developed the concept of a HSP. Now, she began researching it because her therapist remarked on her high sensitivity, and this intrigued Elaine. So she began conducting these brain studies to see if high sensitivity was indeed a personality trait, and the results became very clear very quickly. Those who scored higher on the HSP test had a greater depth of sensory processing in the brain scans than those who scored lower, right? So those that scored high on the HSP test, you can actually see the sensory part of their brain going off. Like you can see the difference in brain scans, which is super interesting. So uh, she's now written seven books on it. I mean, she's written about raising a highly sensitive child. What do you do when you're a highly sensitive parent? Um, She's done 20 studies And her research has literally helped millions of people understand why they feel stimuli more heavily than their peers. Okay, so that's how it all started. So number two, let's see what might make up the signs of a HSP. I'm going to go through this quiz, guys. Now, these are not endless. Okay, if you really want to dive deep, you need to go and look at Elaine Aron's work, uh, particularly get her book. And there are quizzes you can do online, but we're just going to do a little quiz. Look, you you can even do this if you're driving right now. I'm going to give you um, uh, 22, I think, 22 different statements. And if you answer yes, I just want you to give yourself a score for each one. If you answer yes, it's one. Okay. If you answer another one, two, three, just keep score on your hands. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number one, I'm easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. If that's a yes for you, give yourself a tick. If not, no. Okay, let's keep going. I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. Other people's moods affect me. I tend to be very sensitive to pain. I find myself needing to withdraw during busy days like into bed or a darkened room or any place where I can have some privacy and relief. I am particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics or sirens close by. I have a rich, complex inner life. I am made uncomfortable by loud noises. I am deeply moved by the arts or music. My nervous system sometimes feels so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself. I am conscientious. I startle easily. I get rattled when I have to do a lot in a short amount of time. When people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable. I'm annoyed when people try to get me to do too many things at once. I tried hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. I make a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. Certainly not me. Hello, you know I'm a crime junkie. (laughs) Crime podcast junkie. 
I become unpleasantly aroused when a lot is going on around me. Being very hungry creates a strong reaction in me, disrupting my concentration or mood. Changes in my life shake me up. And finally, I notice and enjoy delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, or works of art. All right. How did you go, guys? What was your score? Say your score out loud. Ta-da! All right, if you answered yes to more than 14 of those questions, you're likely a HSB. Welcome to the club. Do you know how many of those I answered yes to? I answered yes to 22 of those. I'm like right up there. I laughed my head off. Like I get so easily startled. Like my kids go, mom, the reaction. I'm like, I can't help it. Or or I've told you guys before, Isaiah laughs his head off at this. At church, if I have to preach and the lights are bright, I'm like, turn the lights down. I can't stand bright lights. Anyway, I answered so many. So there you go. That will give you a bit of an indicator. I mean, look, if you got two or three, then you like your sensitivity is like right down there to almost zero. But if you scored high, you could be HSP. All right, so what does it mean? Number three, what exactly does it mean to be a HSP? So guys, there are countless strengths to being a HSP. I'm going to go through both the the upside, the downside, but there are countless strengths, guys. The first one is creativity because HSPs have an acute ability to process so intensely and they tend to have rich inner worlds that can be expressed in, you know, multiple ways and often, you know, arty, creative or musical kind of ways. Sorry, my voice is a bit, little bit croaky today. Uh, another thing is how adaptable we are because we're so attuned. We can walk into a room and we can read it so accurately that, you know, we tend to adapt to things very quickly. If you're HSP, then we're very, very empathetic. And that's because we can easily read what people are thinking or feeling. So we tend to have very empathetic responses. We connect with people on a deep level. We've got um, high uh, EI, emotional intelligence. Uh, Another gift is that um, we've got great intuition because our depth of processing and, and perception is so deep. We tend to tap into our gut and our instinct very easily. Now, there's some misperceptions about being a HSP. Some people think that we are introverted. Uh, Now, while we can be, it's not a common trait amongst us, okay? Another uh, misconception is the association between sensitivity and physical or mental weakness. And that's not the case either. Just because you're sensitive to those things, it doesn't make us weak in any way, shape or form. We might feel more, but it by no means means we are weak. So basically being a HSP means that we are very sensitive to external stimuli and it affects us very deeply internally. Our nervous systems are heightened all the time. I mean, the fact that a brain scan, it shows up that our sensory input into our brain is more active. So all of those things that I read you also with the quiz, all of those things are a part of being a HSP because we just are so super sensitive. 
sensitive. It's like our nervous systems are on high alert. I think, by the way, that that makes us maybe a little bit more susceptible to things like anxiety, Um, but we can learn to manage it, but we can tend to get easily overwhelmed. So things like bright lights, strong smells, um, coarse fabrics. When I was a kid, guys, this is so embarrassing. I cannot believe I'm telling you guys this. I used to find so much of my clothing uncomfortable. Like, I remember sometimes thinking, I'm not going to wear, I'm I'm not, no, I can't even say that on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. I would even find socks uncomfortable guys. Like I would have to pull my socks up right to either just below my knee, if not over my knee. Right. And I look back thinking, oh my gosh, what a freak that I was. My mom would be like, you right there. But I just felt like if socks started slipping down, it would really annoy me. If you guys ever see me, you'll always see I pull my sleeves up because I don't like things around my wrists. Like I used to think maybe I was a bit OCD. I think I just am highly perceptive to that external stimuli. Loud noises make me jump and freak me out and really annoy me. Cameron in the kitchen slamming doors. Guys, we've just had our kitchen redone praise Jesus. We've got the slow, you know, the slow shut on the drawers because every time he shuts the drawer and all the forks and knives bang, I literally want to punch someone. I'm like, stop that noise. Right. So anyway, I hope all of those things help you to kind of understand what it's like to be a HSP. Now, like I said, if you want more detail, please go and get one of the books because there's so much to it. Or just do a bit more of a Google yourself. I haven't bought one of the books. I've just Googled stuff and gone, oh my gosh. But I hope that's given you a little bit of a snapshot. So this is more where I wanted to go. If you are a HSP, what are some strategies that we can undertake to help us navigate the world? And so I want to give you about six strategies before we move on to how do we cope if we are a leader with HSP. So look, this world is not very kind to us with HSP because life is fast and, you know, information and stimuli are bombarding us from every which way in nearly every environment that we find ourselves in. And while there are many differences among us who have HSP, who would identify with HSP, the one thing that we all have in common is that we have a sensitive nervous system that just makes it easy to get overwhelmed by our environment. But just knowing this about ourselves, knowing like the fact that I now know I've got this personality type, um, you know, and like I said, I hate labels. I do not like labels. I just think too many people are boxed in by labels. But but there are some things that when you understand them about yourself, they help you. They help you to better cope. And they, uh, if you understand, you know, knowledge is power. If you understand better, you can do better. And so this was a huge game changer for me. Just being able to acknowledge this. I think one of the reasons too is I feel less guilty about stuff. Like I feel less guilty that I get easily startled. And I freak everyone else out because I jump so high with a loud noise, or I feel less guilty that the lights at church bother me or the loud noise. You know, it's just like, okay, it's not that I'm going to make everyone change for me, but I just understand I'm not some freak of nature. It's just literally uh, who I am and a part of my personality. And so I feel less guilty about being overwhelmed or about being um, annoyed. I just know things like, okay, I just have to take more breaks. I have to withdraw a bit more often. So let's build you a coping skills toolkit. So here are some highly practical tips to help uh, you and me navigate the environment. 
Number one, know this about yourself. We have to rest before other people do. Okay, so we need to rest. That often might mean a a mental rest, right? Not even just a physical one because being alone tends to help recharge us really quickly. So when HSPs are overstimulated, we actually, then we become insensitive to people because I do find that too. I find that I go from being really sensitive and super sensitive to all of a sudden being totally insensitive. And that's because we find we, we're like, oh my gosh, my engine's revving high here. I'm overstimulated here. Um, and so then we get annoyed and we become insensitive and we want to be left alone. Now, due to our predisposition for sensory overload, we need to carve out time to detox, even if it's just like closing our eyes for 10 minutes. Um, This includes, guys, we need to get enough sleep because our nervous systems need optimum rest. So that's the first one, okay? So take little rest breaks. Number two, set a regular bedtime and morning routine. This really helps, right? Because firstly, it means we're getting good sleep, but secondly, if we have a regular bedtime routine, then we know, look, I can't be like partying right up until I drop into bed. I need a few hours before bedtime to shut down any stimulating activities and do things that help make me calm. Also, we need to keep our morning calm. Mornings come. I know on a Thursday morning before I go to academy, everyone's like, oh, watch out. Mum's on the rampage because I get highly stressed at having to leave home early. Get up that little bit earlier so you can have a calm morning routine. Okay. Number three, identify what your triggers are. Okay. So work out what is it that brings you discomfort? Because what brings you discomfort might be different to what brings me discomfort. Like for you, it might be violent movies, right? Like now I did say, I remember as a teenager or a young adult watching the Shawshank Redemption, I was disturbed in my mind and my heart for days. It just disturbed me so much. But now I'm a little bit older. I love crime podcasts, but guys, it's not the violent part. I hate that. That's true. I do not like hearing any of the violent parts that the podcast I listen to is actually more about the stories. I like hearing people's stories. So, but anyway, some people can't listen to that crime podcast because it just might trigger you. Um, so for me, it's things like a change in my routine, uh, like not having a kitchen right now. Oh my gosh, guys, that sends me into overdrive. Like I've got half my kitchen sitting on my dining table. The other half is on my table tennis table downstairs. It's really hard for me to have chaos around me. Um, But if I know what my triggers are, I can talk myself through that, right? For you, it could be crowds. I mean, lights flashing, like hello, modern church where lights are always flashing and there's always so much activity. I don't like all of that stuff. Okay. Number four, once you've identified your triggers, learn to work around your triggers. Okay. We cannot go through life avoiding guys. This is one thing I'd say a lot of people when they go, Oh, I'm triggered by this and I'm triggered by that. That's not the kind of trigger I'm talking about. I'm saying just know the things that really kind of get your nervous system on edge, right? But then we can't go through life avoiding these things. Okay. We, we, we need to push through And we also can't expect everyone else around us to do the changing, okay? Which I think is what's happening in this day and age. It's like, avoid your triggers and let everyone else do the changing. No, don't go through life avoiding, push through, 
but do things that you know help you make you feel more comfortable. So for me, for example, I said in my parenting podcast, we went on um, a few days and worked down at the Gold Coast last week. I find a new environment really unsettling. But one thing that I do is number one, I know that about myself, so I'm already aware, but I quickly establish a, a new routine to help me if I'm in a new environment. So like I'll do things like, <laughs> I sound crazy, but like, okay, where's going to be my favorite coffee shop near me? And every morning I'm going to get ready, pack my suitcase nice and neatly, which I do. I never stuff lying around, leave it lying around. I'm going to walk down. I'm going to go sit down and have a nice coffee. So I establish a new routine. You know, for you, it might be that you bring AirPods somewhere and listen to calming music. Um, For me, guys, I'm about to have a house full of guests, which I find super overwhelming. Like I get even though I absolutely adore everyone that's coming for Christmas, I get very triggered by having a lot of people around in my house because I'm very kind of, uh, I have very set ways of doing things. I'm very clean and tidy. And when I've got other people running around my house um, unsettling that, I literally want to kill people. (laughs) And so I have to control myself because that's not their problem. That's my problem. So I've got to reset my expectation for that week. And I have to say to my house, it's okay if my house is messy. Um, But what I do tend to do also is I will retreat a little bit more often for small breaks. Like I'll go down to my room and just read for a bit or watch a little bit of a Netflix show because then I'm recharged and I go back and I'm okay again. But if I leave myself in the situation, remember what happens. Our sensitivity can quickly turn to insensitivity. And then we start to say things and act in ways we regret. Okay. Number five, remember your gifts. Okay. While being highly sensitive is um, not, um, you know, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's not a flaw, we can find ourselves feeling really bad for not enjoying, for example, the roller coaster ride when everyone else does, or we feel guilty for getting annoyed with the guests that are underfoot and my dog's barking right now, which is also really annoying me. Or we can feel really bad for freaking out when we hear a loud bang. Like I said, my kids get so annoyed. They're like, mom, your reaction. And I feel bad, but I'm also part of me. I can't help it. It's just how I react. Um, but we've also got so many great qualities, guys, and we need to remember that, okay? Like it, it's also, it might be the hardest, most challenging part of us, but it's also the greatest uh, part of us as well. We're, we're loyal. Um, you know, I, I know that for me, I can make, not that I, not that this is a really good thing, but I'll like, for example, really make people cry most years when we do our thank you services at church, because I know that um, I can be creative in the way I put words together in articulating why we're grateful for people. And so thoughtfulness is like a, an upside for me. So just remember what your strengths are, okay? So you're not always beating yourself up for, for the challenging parts of it. Okay, number six, another tool to put in your toolbox is carve out moments to rest and relax throughout the day. Now, I did say before to take moments to withdraw but um, and to rest, but I just want to Um, I just want to say that one in a bit of a different way in that I want you to intentionally carve out moments, okay, all during the day. So it doesn't always have to be, oh, I've got to take myself off to my room quietly. 
Um, you know, downtime can look like all sorts of things and it's our number one best friend. So, you know, making just a little bit of time to de-stimulate your senses. Um, don't be like me and feel guilty for resting, but you know, it might be that you just read a few pages of a book or, uh, you know, put your essential oils on or go and get out in nature for a couple of minutes, like whatever it is for you. All right. Number seven, move your body in a way that will help you relax. Okay, guys, for us, uh, it's important that we don't make exercise a form of self-punishment, right? Sweating it out at the gym. Make moving our body a form of self-care. Our nervous system is heightened most of the time already. We don't need it to continue to be heightened like right then Cameron just slammed the door and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Did you guys hear that? But make exercise something you enjoy. So take care of your body in a way that brings you joy, not dread. Okay. And that is important since our nervous systems are on high alert. Number eight, really practical, but eat and hydrate properly. So for us, us nourishment for our bodies is important. Like we are very sensitive to the effects of not eating. We're known to get hangry. So make sure you eat delicious, nutritious food and don't punish your body with dieting. Another important thing. And number nine, figure out what brings you joy and do more of it, right? Like don't feel guilty like I tend to do for relaxing and enjoying yourself, right? Like find what brings you joy. This is why I could not wait to get a new puppy. I adore dogs, right? And having this loyal little thing to look after who in return gives me unconditional love. Like for me, having a dog, I always say it's therapy for me and I really mean it because she forces me out of my tendency to be a workaholic. I have to have little breaks to constantly take her outside or to play with her. So, and that's really good for me. So we need to cultivate joy to balance out the other emotions that we feel deeply, such as sadness or anxiety. Okay. And number 10, build in time to connect with people. Okay. We as HSPs don't tend to let many people into our world, but when we do, we are very loyal and we enjoy deep connection. So you know, feeling seen and understood does wonders for us. So we need that strong support network. It's really, really crucial. And finally, number five, let's have a talk about the implications for being a leader with HSP. So guys, here is where the rubber really meets the road, right? Like it's one thing to be a highly sensitive person, but then to navigate that while being a leader, it does take work. And uh, obviously I'm speaking at this from the point of view of being a pastor. So I must say, it does make for some really, really interesting times being so highly sensitive um, and at the same time being um, not just a pastor, but also leading in spaces like Academy and Youth Alive. But guys, if I can do it, you can do it too. Because on the upside, HSPs are actually known to make some of the greatest leaders. So so there you go. If you feel like, oh my gosh, this is like too much, this is difficult, HSPs make great leaders. In fact, apparently, according to the research of Elaine Aaron, they make some of the best leaders because they are very caring and compassionate, have an eye for detail, usually are hard workers. Um, you know, people with HSP, we have a unique way of seeing the world. So we've got, like I said before, high levels of EI or emotional intelligence, a very important skill to have in leadership. And we are deep thinkers. We're good at bringing people together. 
we feel a deep sense of responsibility towards our team. Uh, We tend to have a very accommodating temperament, which makes us pretty easy to get along with. We're sensitive to the needs of others. People tend to put trust in us a lot as we are very transparent and people see us as trustworthy. We're not self-promoters and we won't toot our own horn. Now, I know why that annoys me so much because we are the opposite to that. So we don't like it when we see that in other people. We get very excited by people's potential. Maybe that's why we make great teachers too. And we love to help bring out the best in other people. And when people do struggle or fail at something, we tend to be very compassionate rather than critical. So all these make great uh, leadership traits. We've got a tremendously high regard for other creatives. We tend to encourage people to push the envelope in that whilst still at the same time, um, you know, we love uh, traditional ways of doing things as well. So I think, again, best of both worlds. Our sincerity shines through. We're good listeners. We treat others with respect all the time. We want to treat other people with dignity at all times. But we also remember deeply if other leaders have treated us poorly, and that makes us determine not to replicate such what we see as disgusting behavior. Um, I really relate to that, actually. I think if if I've been mistreated by leaders or by people, I'm like, I'm never going to do that. Um, we tend to also put the needs of our team before our own, okay? But on the other hand, our undeniable sensitivity can prove to be our greatest challenge. So I just quickly wanted to go through um, five ways that um, that that our sensitivity can be a challenge, okay? Because I think if we're aware of these things, um, it really helps us to navigate being highly sensitive whilst being a leader at the same time. So the first challenge is this, we can tend to resist being a leader. I know this to be so true for me. Like even in a leadership position, we can tend to doubt our abilities. Uh, We often struggle with being the center of attention. I know I cannot stand it. I don't like being the center of attention. So I have this constant kind of um, internal struggle with myself where I know I'm called to preach, for example, but I'm not someone that really lights the microphone or being on the stage. So it's kind of like I'm constantly, you know, torn between those two tensions. Uh, Sometimes we can feel overwhelmed by our responsibilities. And so what we have to do in that case, guys, is we have to commit to owning our role. I know I have to tell myself all the time, even in academy space where I'm leading the way you know, around around Australia with that. But, you know, I don't even have it in my bio. I mean, I often joke to Cameron and go, man, half the people I know would be like, ooh, CEO of Australia's, I don't know, they'll come up with an important title for, for what it is that I do. And I'm just not like that. I have the opposite issue where I've got to actually own it and go, oh yeah, I'm I'm the national leader here. And, and that's, not a, um, that's not a gloat or a boast for me, but I need to remember to take responsibility and, and embrace that leadership role. Number two, we can sometimes struggle with decision-making. Again, I know this one to be true. I mean, I am definitely getting better at making decisions. It's just that I tend to double-guess myself a little bit. Um, Cameron will make decisions on the fly very quickly all the time and back himself. I'll make a decision and then I'll talk about it and talk about it and talk about it because I'm not quite sure if I've done the right thing. Um, And that's because we're deep thinkers. We consider all the options. We don't want to offend anybody. We're really aware of what everyone else thinks. And so we just have to decide, I've got to make a decision and back myself. Number three, 
we can feel easily exhausted. Now, because we are deeply perceptive, we tend to pick up on everyone else's stress, right? We also notice when other leaders, um, you know, are maybe struggling. And so we tend to carry that. We tend to carry other people's kind of emotional burdens. And so that can be difficult in a leadership space. We also notice when other leaders are ego-driven or showy. So people can trigger us more easily um, for lots of different reasons. Um, So we carry a lot of information in our sensitive brains that can feel very easily overwhelming. And I would say 100% yes to this. This is me for sure. I carry every detail about every area that I'm involved in, which is a lot, right? Like it's public church, two locations. I run all, um, oversee all the creative um, so the music and all the writing of stuff. And, uh, and then I've got the Academy and my state and national, and then we've got youth alive national and, and Queensland. And there's a lot, and I do a lot of the creative stuff in that side as well. And my tendency to want perfection in every area at all times is exhausting. It's not just exhausting for me. I have to be aware it can be exhausting for the people around me. So I have to be careful to not push my perfectionism onto others as that can drive people away because they feel like they can never meet my standards. I mean, heck guys, I feel like I can barely meet my own standards at times. All right. So there's lots of reasons that we can feel very exhausted in that leadership space. So we just need to be aware of that and we need to monitor ourselves. Again, I think it's about us adapting, which we're good at doing rather than expecting everyone else around us to adapt. Number four, we always feel like there's more to do. Hello, that's the story of my life. Right back from when I first started teaching, I remember I struggled to walk out of the classroom at the end of the day at about 5 or 5.30. Everyone else had gone home. I'd be one of the last people there because I'm like, are you kidding me? There's always something to do in the classroom. And then I had kids and there's always something to do. And now we run multiple organizations. There's always something to do. Cameron's very good at just switching off and walking away. My brain never flipping stops. I'm like, there's always more to do. And part of the reason is we're deeply passionate about our work, right? We find it hard to turn off our ever active mind. I'm literally like, guys, my brain never goes on a holiday. Like I'm about to have a couple of weeks off And uh, I've set my life up over the next few weeks so that I can do that. But you watch. I'll probably be writing all of next year's podcast or something. I'm a bit of a workaholic, which can be bad. And so I've got to really work on that. And again, be aware. Do things you know that switch your brain off. For me, things like reading. I love reading. And number five, guys, we can be easily offended. And I want to finish up on this one because, oh my gosh, this would be uh, probably the thing that... Um, I've been the most aware of. I don't think I've struggled with it the most because I've been very aware. But in particularly church world, people don't know that we're super sensitive, right? Like people don't, they don't care. You're the leader. You're the pastor. They're expecting, they're not thinking about how you feel. They're not thinking about what you're thinking. They're thinking about themselves, right? That just comes with the role of being pastor, And so people can say and do some very insensitive things. And usually because of our personalities, right? I know people sometimes say stuff to me or text stuff or do stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, are you kidding me? I would never dream of saying some of those things that people say to me. I would never dream of saying that to other people. 
but that's because I'm super sensitive. So I wouldn't say those things to other people, but you name it, I've heard it and then some, or people can treat us as if we don't have any feelings at all, right? I get it. It can be brutal being a highly sensitive person, but please let me end with my best bit of um, advice, I guess. And this comes from years of me walking this out and I do not take any credit for this. Cameron has been very, very good with me and walking me through this. He's got such great perspective on this. But this is what Cameron, this is the approach Cameron and I take. And this will help you to not get offended, okay? Always live and lead according to your values and never compromise on that, right? So, so that's what Cameron and I, otherwise you're always going to, because as sensitive people, we know what other people think and we know what they feel and we can tend to want to accommodate, right? But you will become a, a slave to what everyone else's opinion is if that's the case. Now, I'm not saying that you can't, that there's not space to listen to people and to take things on board and to change things, right? I'm not saying that. But it's like when I was a, a teacher in the classroom. I've got 28 sets of parents who all think their little darling is the only darling in the classroom. And as much as I lived loved every individual ch- child, I've also got the perspective of all of the children in my class at heart. So I've got to do what's best for all of the children while doing what's best for the individual child. Very similar to being a pastor. So if if I've got a parent who's who's just happens to be more vocal and shouts the loudest it would be wrong of me to give in to that parent just because they're the more vocal one and I'm sensitive, okay? But if you always think to myself, to yourself, what are my values in life? What are my values in in our church? What are my values in whatever space I'm in? And live and lead according to that. And then just remember this, and this this really helps me. People, they're going to be people. They're going to say stupid things or hurtful things. Guess what? It is what it is. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's just humans being humans. And I expect that to happen. And you know what? I expect that to continue. And I am um, I just see, I give people that room and that grace and I try not to take it personally. Now, I do debrief, okay? I think it is important to to debrief with someone. And I definitely would do that where I'm, I've got a few people that I'll be like, oh my gosh, okay. And I'll really talk through what I'm feeling. But on the, uh, you know, mostly my approach is I expect it to happen and I'm not going to give people that power over me, right? I'm going to put it in the box that it deserves, which is people will be people. And guess what? I probably offend people sometimes. I don't mean to, but at the same time, as much as I'm like, you know what? People are going to be people, human to humans. We've always taught our kids that. I think that's why our kids have never been um, hurt by the church, so to speak, because they just don't have this high expectation. I'm like, guys, people are people. You're going to get it wherever you go, right? But at the same time, I've taught our kids and Cameron and I, uh, Cameron's been good with teaching me. At the same time, don't be manipulated by people's opinions either, okay? So don't let it change who you are or how you lead. But our approach is we will always be the bigger person. I will always move towards people in love, but that doesn't mean I give in to people, okay? I'm very much, hey, this is who I am. This is how I lead. That's not going to be for everyone and that's okay, but I'm not going to let others reduce us to their level of meanness or judgment. I don't get into arguments with people. I'm just like, you know what? I love you. I know you might not have meant that. I'm going to give you grace and room for that. 
but this is how we lead. These are my values. I'm going to lead according to that. Now, if we don't share the same values, I love you. We love you, but you're welcome to go somewhere else, right? And the other thing I'd say, never have a conversation over text or email. Just It, it just doesn't go well. Always be face-to-face. That's and I, Cameron and I never go into it thinking we've got to win an argument. We always go into it seeking um, to make the other person feel heard, uh, even if we don't, even if we don't agree. Um, and then once they feel heard, we don't even have to always say our our position or our point of view. They usually already know. Okay, so look, I feel like I said a lot there, but basically, guys. You need to keep thick skin, soft heart, okay? And just remember, the greatest line that's helped me, people are always going to be people. I expect it. It's going to happen. And I just choose not to be offended by it. But at the same time, I'm not going to be manipulated by it, okay? So not offended, not manipulated. This is who I am. That's who you are. And if this isn't for you, that's okay too, all right? I had... I remember I had a a parent that came to me in the classroom. I know I'm going over, but I really feel like this can help you. I had a parent come to me in the classroom once and they had this belief that their daughter was not allowed to um, uh, color in pictures of Jesus. They believed that that was an idol, like she wasn't allowed to watch a cartoon or anything. The only thing that she could do when it came to Christian studies was to actually um, see a photograph of the of the actual sandals that Jesus would have worn or the robe that he would have worn. Uh, she wasn't allowed to see any, you know, any anything that might have not been an actual representation, right? And I just remember thinking, are you kidding me? This is a Christian school and I teach prep. Like we color in pictures of Jesus all the time. We, uh, we're going to do it every, like Christmas, Easter. Uh, we're a Christian school. So I remember just saying to her, I thought, you know what? That's your that's your opinion. I'm not going to get offended by it, but I just was honest with her and I said, "Look, I'm being honest with you. If that were the case, she's going to be out of the classroom a lot of the time. I can't cater to that. This is who we are here and we don't apologize for that. So maybe you might have to look at another school that accommodate can accommodate that. Now, I can't remember. They stayed for a couple of more years, but they were the kind of people that just complained about everything anyway. But I remember the principal coming to me and I thought, oh, God, now I'm in trouble because I've just told someone basically to leave the school. But he came to me and he goes, thank you so much for what you said, because you've just saved us a lot of headaches. Because if I had promised something that I knew I really couldn't deliver, that would have made, you know, it would have been easier in the moment, but harder down the track, right? I feel like this is really helping someone here. Okay. Sometimes it's a little bit harder in the moment, but it's easier down the track. I was honest with them. I just said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. I've got 25 other kids in the classroom whose parents want their children to be coloring in pictures of Jesus. This is a Christian school. I understand where you're coming from, but I can't cater to that as much as I love you guys and I love your daughter. And like I said, they stayed for a few more years, complained about everything else anyway. I had no more trouble with them. I think as I just put it on the line, this is who we are. Love you guys. I was kind. I moved towards them, but I can't accommodate. This is the value of my classroom. These are the values of our school. And like I said, the principal was really thankful because I think I stopped a lot of headaches because they just knew what they were getting. Um, And so that's kind of my approach. And that really helps when you're sensitive. So I think that's why I've got such conviction with what I believe. Um, 
because that really helps to be an anchor, to steady you, to guide you. There are so many voices in this world, guys, and uh, we've got to be careful who to listen to. And for me, I listen to uh, the, the convictions that I feel God's put in my life. So there you go, guys, we got through so much today. Oh my goodness, we got through five different kind of, we could have split that almost into five episodes, but I hope that that helps you. And if you from this, uh, maybe it's confirmed um, that you're like, oh my gosh, I think maybe I'm one of these highly sensitive people. I encourage you to go along and do a bit more Googling because it's really fascinating. And I love it because it's it's certainly not a label. It's not a label. It's just, hey, this is my personality and it helps me to understand myself a little bit more. Oh, guys, there we are. Thank you so much. This is the longest ever podcast, so we've got to go. But I love you. Um, Remember, no Friday Parenthood episodes for uh, until early Jan. So just going to have like three weeks off, maybe four. Uh, But Wednesdays, we're going strong. So I will be back with you next Wednesday. I'll see you then. Bye.